This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. Hopefully your favorite podcast to come to after a terrible result. Chelsea losing to Newcastle away 4-1 on the day. A little bit of the inverse of the scoreline we saw against Tottenham. And boy, oh boy, not the result that any of us wanted to see after what, at least for me, Nick, was a very nice Thanksgiving slash holiday weekend the build-up to it, the birthday activity. You and Brandon did uh, very nice by me and, and sent me a gift card to enjoy in restaurant in New York City. I'm looking forward to some... I, mean, I don't know. I was I was all good vibes heading into this, and boy, oh boy, they disappeared completely. But first, how was your Thanksgiving before we talk <laughs> about the doom and gloom? Yeah, we're going to spend 30 minutes talking about Thanksgiving and then just a small bit on Chelsea. But no, I mean, Thanksgiving is just the best. Uh, love, love seeing family, love seeing friends, best food of the year. Uh, just got done recording with, with Jesse for blue royalty and, and they are jealous that we get a, uh, as, as they phrased it, Dan pre Christmas before Christmas. And honestly, mm. it's, it's a interesting way to think about it, uh, for the, for those who celebrate. So yeah, it is, it is just simply my favorite time of year. And, uh, you know, I, I loved, I love this little break that we got and, you know, and then and then you walk back in, uh, much like Donald Glover uh, at Community, and everything's on fire. And uh, that's basically where where we were uh, after about uh, eleven a.m. Central on Saturday. Things uh, kind of back to a normal state of chaos. Yeah, we're gonna get into this one talking about what exactly happened in Newcastle and in, in, at St. James's Park. But boy, oh boy, it did not go anywhere according to the plans that were laid. Questions about the defense. I think there are some fair questions to be asked. But the attack didn't do themselves any favors either to avoid a little bit of scrutiny. And then maybe some questionable decisions from Pochettino. Even though he was in the stands, you know, he puts together the lineup. He's there for the halftime and can be involved in some of the communications down to his team. So there's some questions that we can ask there, particularly after Chelsea let in eight goals across their last two Premier League matches. But... Before we get into specifics, we are going to do some three-word match reviews. And Nick, no Brandon here, me hosting. So why don't you take it through a run-through? And I did at the top. They were so good, I had to use both of them. I thought they were both great. Spanish Joe uh, with two absolute bangers. Uh, first one is my personal favorite. Uh, Thanksgiving up hope, <laughs> which is fantastic. And then Reese's to pieces, uh, which was again, uh, great, a lot more reactions on Reese's to pieces than Thanksgiving up hope, but maybe that's just my dark cynical sense of humor. Uh, Mr. Thurman with thankful for whistle, uh, heard that, uh, Jay up the Chelsea boys gave nothing, uh, a ode <laughs> to last season, uh, and everything that happened there. Tana overall, good good friend of the pod there was St. James's nightmare CFC central uh, who did the preview with you, Newcastle old habits. Uh, I thought that was, that was clever. He's a wordsmith after all, Andrew McDougal, one of the Porto five, of course, curbed our enthusiasm uh, after our, our Thanksgiving picked in and talking about that great show that I thought that was well-timed Craig Ledoux, can't defend it uh, with a nice little gif of Reese and Antonio Rudiger from from last year's Real Madrid tilt uh, there. So, yeah, lots going on uh, in terms of uh, the three word match reviews. Uh, 
Very few of them positive, and that's for a reason. Yeah, it makes sense. I went with December's early arrival. Remember last year, we didn't have to engage in Chelsea's typically poor form when it relates to December's because of the Winter World Cup. But we are not spared the luxury of, or the rather lack of enjoyment when it comes to Chelsea's December fixture form because it seems like it came early. So I guess... uh, Happy Black Friday and Cyber Monday to you all. That was Chelsea's great deal. Get started on December early. What about you, Nick? Petulant, sluggish, clumsy. None of it was good. All of it was bad. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about all of that. We just also want to say thank you to the people who support the podcast. Uh, look, it doesn't cost anything on uh, Cyber Monday when you're listening to this to drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You could do that instead of looking at deals and uh, maybe save yourself a couple of bucks. You also go hit the like and subscribe buttons on YouTube and also hit the bell icon to get notified when we drop the videos there. And, you know, if you do have a couple bucks you want to use to support the podcast, you can go to the Discord community that we have going on. A lot of conversation, thankfully, about some things that are better than Chelsea's recent form, like the Florida State Seminoles having an undefeated college football season, which is quite good. We won't talk about Nebraska, though, Nick, because that's just... Too much extra torture, and nope. that is not not fair to you. Sadness. But, <laughs> but as again, the details of this match, again, it was Newcastle this past Saturday, November 25th, 2023, in the Premier League at St. James's Park. The scoreline was Newcastle 4, Chelsea 1, Isak in the 13th minute, Sterling the 23rd with a hell of a free kick. Lascelles in the 60th minute with Anthony Gordon assisting Joe Linton in the 61st minute. That's right, at 90 seconds between the two goals. And then Anthony Gordon got one of his own, too, with Miggy on the assist in the 33rd minute. Look, we're not doing any fist hand highlights, so we're just going to run it right to the lineup, Nick. Why don't we review for the listeners and viewers just a reminder of who was to blame collectively for this performance. Yep, you had uh, old old Robert Sanchez back between the sticks there, of course. A uh, little bit of juggling in the defensive line. So Reese James comes in at right back. Tiago Silva uh, keeping his current spot at uh, at right center back. Big Ben, Benoit Badia-Shield back in uh, after a, a bit of a, a jump from the last league cup match to now uh, since he's played so that was a, a gamble uh, and Mark Ucarea as as left back you guys previewed this uh, lineup and, and the potential that it had uh, on on Friday but didn't quite go to form unfortunately uh, in the middle because of the late arrival of Caicedo from international duty you had Leslie Ukuchukwu back uh, in, in the center of the park alongside Enzo Fernandez a front four of Cole Palmer, Connor Gallagher, Raheem Sterling, and Nicholas Jackson. Uh, let's see, subs. Mikhailo Mudrik uh, in, in the 69th minute. Moises Caicedo in the 69th minute. Broya in the 69th minute. That was a, a rare triple sub for Poch. Colwell coming in for Palmer and Matawake coming in for Sterling. Unused subs of Petrovic, Matson, Disasi, and Matos. Look, that was the lineup. We look at the stats on the day. Chelsea, a... Very, very poor expected goals of 0.53 against the 2.36 that Newcastle had. It was 46% possession to Chelsea, 54% to Newcastle. We had seven shots to their 14, four shots on target to their five, three shots off target to their four, and they had five block shots. We had none of ours blocked, but we also didn't give them a lot to do. 
They had two corner kicks to their four, 19 fouls to their 13, six yellow cards to their four, and then one red card, which we'll talk about as well. They had 17 free kicks, way too many for the talent they have. Uh, we had 13. They had 15 throw-ins to our nine. They had five goal kicks to our eight. Uh, they had four big chances. They only missed one. They hit the woodwork once. We had two big chances and missed both of them. And, yeah, the one random stat is that Newcastle have now gone three consecutive Premier League games unbeaten against Chelsea for the first time since 1995. And, again, Nick, let's just say another bit of a black eye in this type of scenario where we are helping other teams create records against us and not the good kind. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, obviously, yeah, this was a highly anticipated match on the you know other side of the international break. There was a lot of things that you know uh, were kind of talking points, as you guys pointed out on the preview going into this match. Their injury struggles, our uptick in form, all these things kind of swirling around with a a week and a half, two week break in there for international football. It just uh, you know wasn't the uh, the sort of performance that we were hoping for against, you know, a, a top four uh, type of side. And uh, we'll get to why after the break. That is that is indeed true. So stay tuned and we will be right back. All right. So I know, Nick, we've got a couple more podcasts coming out this week. Uh, I do believe Brandon is back from his vacation in uh, minus zero hours from when this podcast drops. So he and Phil are going to be chatting with one another. But I know you mentioned Blue Royalty as well. I think they'll be back on the main feed on Tuesday. That is right. They will be uh, back into the main feed. They will have uh, an episode out uh, on Monday as you're listening to this on the Blue Royalty feed. So go over there and listen to that. We hope to get Matt Law back on this week. We have an academy update uh, coming from uh, from Chelsea Youth this week. And, of course, uh, Dan and Sam will be back with the Brighton match preview, that match being uh, a lot more important than it was uh, a couple weeks ago now uh, that we that we have a good performance. So excited. It's another big week. We are now into the thick of football for uh, pretty much four months uh, straight. And so lots going on. Our December calendar is going to be absolutely chock full of podcasts. So, you know, this team is going to be playing a lot of football over the next couple of months, and we're going to be there for all of it. Well, Nick, as we get into discussing this one and kind of figuring out where it went wrong. I mean, the first 13 minutes, I would say, before the goal went in for Isak, it was a very back-and-forth type of game between the two sides. No one really was wrestling control away from it. Chelsea and Newcastle both struggling in possession, not really finding the right avenue. And it seemed like this was going to be the type of game where Chelsea could go after it, would find some space, would be able to play football against the side. And it quickly decided to not be that type of game for Chelsea. I guess, are you surprised at the way Newcastle set up and decided to play Chelsea, given all the injuries that they had and some makeshift lineup? No, no. They they were clearly out to prove a point that they could bully Chelsea, uh, both mentally and physically, and they did that. Um, that's unfortunate, because I really thought given the way that Chelsea had played this year, especially against kind of the the top four type of sides, that this would be a, a lot more competitive than it was. Uh, we were flat, you know, for, for most of the game. There were period, there was a period after, you know, Raheem got the goal in the first half where you know, it seemed like we were kind of heating up a little bit and then halftime came and we just laid an egg in the second half. It was complete shambles. And, 
you know, I thought from a physicality perspective, these guys bullied us last year. I thought the team would want to come out and prove uh, that they were not going to be bullied again. And unfortunately, that just didn't happen. Um, I think that's probably the thing I'm most disappointed with is that they allowed themselves to be out physical. The, you know, the mental part of the game was clearly not switched on and it, it just didn't, you know, this was just a, a incredibly bad performance. And I think Pat Potch said as much after that it was, it was not up to standard. And, um, we've seen too much of this over the last couple of years, um, where this team came back flat after an international break, you can almost write the loss on the calendar and, they, they did that. Yeah, well, when you look at this, I mentioned it earlier, the defense has now conceded four goals in two back-to-back matches. Again, these are two of the better sides in the Premier League, some of the better sides within all of Europe, in spite of Newcastle's recent performance in the, the Champions League. But when you look at the types of teams, now Chelsea sitting on 20 goals allowed in the Premier League this season, very early in the season, we had been talking about how Chelsea had some of the best defense, even though we couldn't get the scoring going. Now that we got the scoring going, or at least felt like we had the scoring going, we were starting to let some of these goals in, allow some of these slips to happen in either the actual way we were playing or the way that we were defending or individual mental lapses. Chelsea now are equal to teams like Everton, Fulham, and Wolves in the number of goals they've conceded this season. They are now... You know, teams like Brighton, West Ham, Forest, they have conceded more than Chelsea. They're all kind of in the 23-plus range. And then teams that have conceded less, Villa, Palace, Brentford, so kind of some near or well above where we are kind of within our level, you know, kind of two two or three goals less conceded. So, and this was not against the best lineup that Eddie Howe could have put out there if he had all of his best players available. And again, I would say maybe outside of Caicedo starting and Kunku being available in the very near future, and maybe one of the defenders being changed, whether it's Kukurea for Levi Colwell or, or Disasi in potentially for Batashiel. Like, it wasn't, i say, Eddie Howe had a tougher time putting together the 11 on the day than Chelsea did in terms of choosing the players. And so I'm surprised, given the fact that we were not making massive changes to the team that did so well against City, that we couldn't restore a little bit of the defensive rigidity we require and the stalwartness to be able to defend against this side. And that, that I think, caught me a little off guard considering I think we knew Trippier was going to be one of the individuals on the day who was going to give Chelsea a lot of problems, put us in a lot of pain. And that left-hand side of Sterling, Enzo kind of played, you know, pretty heavily on the left as well. And then Kukurea really struggled to to lock him down and kind of limit the amount of threat that he was able to generate. And that, I think, was Chelsea's undoing. Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, this was an opportunity, right? Newcastle clearly not at full strength. Chelsea on the rise, you know, this was an opportunity to take points to continue the upward trajectory that the team has been on. And it's just is very clear from a fitness perspective. We weren't ready players like Connor Gallagher, who, you know, has been an energizer bunny for us, seemingly off the pace um, from a tactics perspective, clearly not ready getting carved open at every opportunity. And from a mentality perspective, just didn't look like they were in the game 
And, you know, this is maybe where, you know, we, we differ on how much impact that Poch can have. First of all, he shouldn't have been on the bench or in the, in the stands. He should have been on the bench. That's his own doing uh, for, for losing his cool. And I think that matriculated its way through the team. When you look at the, the discipline issues that we'll talk about, um, it just didn't. Uh, this team was not ready to play and they got schooled and that can't happen again. Well, you had players like Anthony Gordon, Joe Linton, Isak forcing our players into making fouls. I think the most unfortunate of the fouls on the day was the second foul that Reese committed to earn him a card and a caution and allow him to be seen off of the pitch as he saw red, which means that he'll be missing our match against Brighton. So we have a force change for Pochettino, hoping Malagusto is ready and available to support in that match and that his uh, knee issue is resolved. But, I mean, I guess that was one that we probably want to circle as just one that was maybe unexpected in terms of, you know, Reese being the captain this season, getting the nod over potentially others. You know, we obviously had thought a lot about like does Silva you know in the, in the preseason is Silva going to be the captain and will Reese be the vice captain and Silva hands the armband over you know this season after he leaves and you know there was a whole lot of publication and publicity when Reese was anointed captain and you know, I think he put out an Instagram post after the game kind of talking about how it wasn't good enough needs to be better things of that nature which is super important but I think that the, the change will be is just not letting it happen again yeah I mean first of all I think we're all tired of the can we just stop the Instagram posts? I, I, I mean, no offense to anyone who does them, but it's just lip service at the end of the day. And I'd rather see you pick it up and show me that you're changing. Show me that you're going to get better and you're going to learn from mistakes. We all make mistakes. This is you know, a relatively young player, you know, who just, I think lost his head, but I don't need to see a, a, really apologetic Instagram caption and you just see the performance improve. Um, so that's first and foremost. And second, like I, I look at this as a, as a transition from being a, a really great individual contributor to being in charge of a group of people. You and I have both made this transition in our careers, uh, although not in the premier league, uh, obviously, Fair. Where you where you go from being an individual contributor who is in charge of uh, of his own schedule and 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 his own success to being a leader of people when your whole responsibility set changes and it's more about the collective performance and how your uh, how your individuals on your team grow and change than it is about your own performance and that is the transition that I have not yet seen from Reese I think it will take some time it took me some time to be fair. Um, but when you're named captain talked about this back in, in August, it's more than just, are you the best player on the team? It's, can you help organize? Can you help people in training? Can you help new players adapt? Can you get in front of the press? Uh, can you do all the charitable things? Uh, it's it becomes not a, as much about you. We know that you're good. Right. It becomes, can you help lift a group of people? That's why, you know, leaders like John Terry are so, you know, kind of vaulted at Chelsea because they not only were great individual performers, but they helped to lift 
everyone around them. And it's a really hard job. You know, it's, it's an incredibly difficult thing to ask of a 24 year old guy to do, but it's his challenge now that he has to take on. We'll see if he um, picks it up and, and begins to show that growth. Another performance that caught people's eye, I think was Cucurea's performance after I think a series of strong outings. Again, not necessarily perfect because no, no player's perfect, but I think closer to the way he played against Dortmund in the Champions League more so than some of the calamitous performances. And so we were getting good Kukurea. And this was more mid to not great Kukurea that we saw on the day in how he how he defended. He was he was dribbled past, I think, twice on the day. He really struggled with Miggy in particular. Like this the getting up and down was not great. Trippier obviously found a lot of space on his side of the pitch as well. I mean, we did see the fact that he picked up a card, which means he's going to miss the Brighton match, which I think now means that Levi Cole will absolutely start as a left back in our next match. But, um, I, I mean, that wasn't great. And then obviously Batty Ashiel, I think, is another one you could kind of touch on too. But any thoughts on, on those performances? Bad. I mean, it was bad across the board. He conceded four goals, and, you know, it's it's just typically not great. You know, I, I don't think that Sterling did any – uh, defending in this match at all, and that left Kukurea really isolated. Uh, similarly to Enzo uh, with Batty Ashiel, I don't think there was a whole lot of cover for either player, and uh, it seemed like Newcastle were just getting a ton of numbers and, and numerical uh, mismatches uh, in the final third against both, and that just made for a lot of uh, kind of jumpy defending across the board. So, you know, you, you think about the way that that all kind of unfolded and there were plenty of overlap opportunities for Almiron and, and for Trippier to, to have. And it just, uh, it, it was bad. Uh, they were not prepared, uh, to defend against a Newcastle attack that is just kind of scrappy. Like they don't play especially good football. It's very direct and it's kind of scrappy and, um, you know, it's, it's not like the best thing to watch, but we clearly weren't prepared for it. Batty Shield got exposed uh, positioning wise quite a bit. And, uh, you know, again, I just think they, they had, uh, they had both players on toast. It was, it was not a good performance for either. Yeah. And then I think rounding it out because again, the, the whole defense is deserving of fair criticism on the day. Yep. It's just Thiago Silva, you know, not a great performance from him either. I think Sofa score put it out as a quick stat that this is technically the only, only his second error. Again, they're, the way that they assign errors leading to goal is a very interesting one. And you might argue, I've seen more than two errors from Thiago Silva leading to a goal. It's up for debate. But this is the first one that they're saying since December 26 of 2020, which was the match or his debut against West Brom, which was not a good game, uh, if we remember back there. But yeah, again, just not a great day. I think you could see some rotation. I think you could see some alteration to this particularly as there's some force changes does this give anybody an opportunity to make a claim does this make you miss axel desasi i mean i think there's a lot of comments we'd love to you know see on youtube or see you know on you know social as you kind of listen to this episode let's know what you're thinking like what does potch do with the back line given some of the defensive instability that we've seen so that's gonna do it for that part of the podcast but stay tuned we're gonna talk about the attack too because 
That wasn't great either, uh, but we'll kind of try to point to where we think that there are opportunities to address that. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. So, Nick, I, I do want to say it was not all in the defense. It would be very unfair of us to criticize the defense and pretend the attack had a great day out because they did not. Again, we talked about seven shots in total, very limited number on target, no chance really above an XG of around 0.11. So if that tells you, you know, how good our best chances were, our best chances were actually pretty low quality. And so I think it is fair to say, yes, Raz, you know, Raz had an incredible free free kick. It was absolutely it dumbfounded me to see Reese take the second chance when it was basically in the same area for Sterling to go at it again. But yeah, even Sterling with the goal did not have a great day overall in terms of his performance. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I don't understand him sometimes. Um, you know, he's coming off of a string of, of at the very least above average performances, if not, you know, match winning performances. And then to go out and lay an egg, I mean, he didn't have international football. He should have been the most energetic guy on the pitch. Lollygagging back on defense. Couldn't make a dribble to save his life. You know, I think was clearly getting frustrated with, you know, some of the tactical fouls and things like that that were happening off the ball that weren't called. And it was, you know, outside of the free kick, he didn't have many moments to, to write home about, um, you know, again, obviously you score the goal and, and you can feel okay about, you know, that, but outside of that, it was just not great. I also didn't understand why Reese took the second free kick after he had made the first one. I think that's like a, a make it, take it rule. Uh, if you're playing, you know, kind of junkyard basketball, like, you know, if you make that free kick, you should automatically get to take the next one. So maybe he's frustrated about that, but the overall effort just wasn't there and it's going to continue to drive people nuts, drive, drive me insane because he should really, uh, I, I think should have had Trippier a lot more bothered than he was defensively. Trippier had a pretty easy day, uh, overall. And I, I don't know how you felt about it, but you know, in a game where the team just was not energetic enough, quick enough, I would look to a guy with as much international experience as he has, as much Premier League experience as he has, to try and lift up people. And I did not see that happening. No. And again, if you look at it, he and Cole Palmer, you know, Cole Palmer, Enzo, and Sterling are rated as the best players on the day on a couple of sites. Again, you know, Reese, uh, or sorry, Raheem only managed two total shots on the day. I mean, his expected goal was 0.14. Like, the free kick was fantastic. The free kick was exceptional and also benefited from the fact that it completely rooted Pope. <laughs> like, you watch it back, like, Pope is in perfect view. The camera gets his reaction perfectly, uh, which I would have enjoyed celebrating some more if we had seen a different result on the day. Uh, but, you know, lost possession 15 times, um, you know, was fouled three times, or uh, had three fouls, was fouled only once. So, you know, I think didn't necessarily benefit from any calls in his favor typically as related to his play. And, again, it was, it was also by not maintaining possession was putting, you know, kind of the defense in a little bit of a bother. I think Jackson was another interesting one to take a look at because in this game, 
you know, he did once or twice get the ball to where you thought, okay, maybe you get the the shot now, but either was dispossessed or made the option to kind of take the pass, but registered no shots in this game, which again, we know he's streaky. We talked about this before the international break that we thought or hoped that this would be, that would have been the start of his very, very hot streak, but it seems like the international break uh, put that in the, the deep freezer and we're going to need to get that thing out to defrost because it is not anywhere where it needs to be. And, you know, if he's not contributing either from like drawing attention to create space for Palmer or Sterling or for, you know, Gallagher to run into, like there's, there's just not necessarily a lot of positive kind of that he's, he's bringing in that moment. No, I mean, again, all, all four of the attacking players really struggled. I you know uncharacteristic of Gallagher to have such an off day when he's played uh, so well this year. He looked really sluggish. He looked completely off the pace. Passing wasn't great. Shooting, you know, again, he gets that open net opportunity. That has to go in. I mean, of a player of his quality, that just has to go in. Um, and, you know, I think... Palmer and Jackson just kind of looked aimless on the day. Like obviously Palmer and and Gallagher swap positions where Connor was more out on the right and Palmer was more central. Didn't really work. Uh, Jackson didn't make anywhere near the amount of runs that we've seen him make in the last couple of of games against Spurs and City. So it, it just it was bad across the board, and that's why you know I kind of looked to Raheem. Like Connor's been the energy guy for this team. Right, he's been the one pressing. He's been the one moving everyone forward. He's been the one making hard tackles and lifting other players up. If you're Raheem and you realize, man, he's off of his game today. He's not playing that well. That's when I'd look to a guy of his experience to try and do that for the team, to try and bring that level of energy and enthusiasm and you know all that sort of stuff to to the table. And I know those are intangibles, and that's really easy to say from the comfort of my office, but. Uh, you know, I again, I was I was really hoping to see that because it clearly was not Connor's day. You know, yeah, I think that leads into the question around getting this team motivated to play the matches when they're not at peak performance to set the lineup up for success, and that's where maybe the the questions around what Pochettino, what the team rolled up to St James's Park, thinking that they were going to be able to take advantage maybe of a Newcastle side that was licking their wounds and maybe give a 7 out of 10 and get this thing across the line to continue form as they think about a heavy fixture list. Again, I'm not trying to project too much into it, but the performances, the flat-footedness, the indecisive behavior of some of the players on the pitch, and then the fact that the triple sub came in the 69th minute. And so, you know, you had that, you know, maybe it could have been an earlier reaction maybe to the fact that, okay, you went into halftime one, one, you're not necessarily creating a whole lot. You're going to try to find an opportunity to make a change. But after the first goal went in and now you're down two one, then you go down in the 61st minute. Like, would you have been ready maybe a little sooner to, get some of those players on. And again, I don't necessarily know if any of them had a good enough day to say that they would have changed the game with an extra eight to nine minutes on the pitch. But the triple sub of Mudrik, Caicedo, Broya didn't necessarily work. Um, and, you know, we also did have a, a force change uh, to some of that too with 
uh, Reese James kind of going out as as well. So like, I guess that's where my questions were, you know, kind of lie is that really, you know, the, the foul, you know, James kind of left after, right. And so now you have, you go down one, you've already made these decisions on what you're going to change. You can't really then flex in or change a different player. It's Matawake who comes in in the 87th minute as the last sub. I, I just feel like I didn't understand the plan in this game as much as I did when it's like, oh, hey, you know, City, we're going to you know definitely try to go back and forth. We're going to try to ping pong. We're going to try to press them really hard. And you didn't see the same desire to press, the same intensity that we saw in the last two matches. No, it unfortunately to me, like I think one of the key things that someone like like Poch would have understood from the touchline that's really hard to do from the from the stands, which again is his own fault that he wasn't there, is stuff like when a player is about to lose his head. Right. So Chelsea were yellow carded three times for kicking the ball away yesterday. So that which again is just petulant, stupid They've clearly kicked, you know, cracked down on that um, that sort of stuff this season. You know, Nicholas Jackson's had a couple of those. Like, it's just senseless stuff. Um, and I was surprised at halftime that there wasn't a like reckoning about that. It kept happening. Stupid fouls kept happening. You know, Potch famously pulled Levi in the Spurs game, right, and replaced him with Kukurea because he you know was getting a little heated. And I thought that was maybe something that, you know, again, isn't an offensive change, but it's just like a personnel get your shit together sort of move that would have sent a message to the team. It just didn't didn't work. And, uh, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure why that didn't happen uh, at half when it was clearly Reese was getting super frustrated. A lot of physical play uh, across that side of the, the field, too. So. You know, again, little stuff like that makes you question kind of what's happening in the halftime locker room because we came out super flat. Yeah. Well, we won't have to wait too long, I guess. I mean, you know, next weekend for Chelsea to get another crack of the bat in terms of seeing if they can wrestle a win from a team above them on the table. That would be uh, Brighton coming up, uh, which would be very, very nice to beat Brighton. But their form is... Uh, I mean, better-ish. Not great, but better-ish than Chelsea at the moment. They did have a much better result this weekend than I think we did. I mean, it was a win, so of course it was. But any other thoughts from this match before we just take a look and a run-through of what happened over the entire Premier League weekend? No, I mean, I, I really, really hope they get their shit together this week and come out looking like the team that played City and played Spurs uh, before the international break. I mean, it... You know, I don't think Poch minced any words in his post-match presser about, you know, the the level and standard of the performance. Um, we've seen that happen a lot over the last two years. A lot of it's just been lip service ahead of another bad performance. So let's hope that we, uh, we see a wholly different team come out against Brighton because, you know, the history between – the recent history between these two teams – this is one that we definitely want to win. And given some of the results that we see here, we're going to have to start winning here pretty quick. Well, I do think that they will be up for it, even though they are taking a bit of an extended midweek trip to Athens as a part of their Europa League group stage, uh, fifth match out of six. Uh, so AEK Athens is their, uh, their 
you know, individual team that they'll be going up against before they play Chelsea on Sunday, December 3rd. That's right. We're already in December fixtures. But look, across the weekend, it was all even against Man City and Liverpool won a piece. West Ham beating Burnley, but uh, Burnley might feel a little aggrieved on that one. 2-1. Luton doing the business against Crystal Palace. 2-1. That might be the shocker of the weekend beyond our match, which was Newcastle winning 4-1. We saw a Brighton win 3-2 with a red card in their match as well. Bournemouth beating Sheffield United 3-1. Arsenal with Kai Havertz. Finding their way forward against Brentford, one nothing. Aston Villa beating Tottenham, two one, with the high line of Big Ange potentially being the start of his downfall. Oh, oh, the rise was so quick, and the fall is so sudden. And then Man United three, Everton nothing. That was a a pretty wild weekend uh, for all teams, uh, including us. Yeah, and, and teams that we need to lose, like Villa and United and, and Brighton, all getting wins, uh, even West Ham getting wins. So, you know, again, you kind of keep losing ground to these types of teams, and it, it gets harder and harder to, to come back. That is true, because when you look at the table, it is Arsenal on top right now. That's right. It's not your Thanksgiving sides coming back to haunt you. It is actually the top of the table with Arsenal on 30 points. Man City at 29 points in second place. Liverpool, 28 points in third place. And that's right, Villa in fourth place, also on 28 points behind a goal difference. Tottenham now down to fifth before they won the league in, I think, the eighth week of the season. So we saw 26 points for them. Man, Man United on 24 points in sixth place. Newcastle, 23 points in seventh. Brighton, 22 points in eighth. West Ham, 20 points in ninth. And Chelsea sitting in the absolute center because there is bounce in everything on 16 points. Brentford, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Forest, Fulham, Bournemouth, and Luton make up the rest from 11 to 17, and is now Sheffield United on five points, Everton on four, and Burnley also on four in 18th, 19th, and 20th. That's right, Luton making the escape that no one thought they were going to be able to do, which, uh, you know... Could be a fun away day next season for us, Nick, if this keeps up. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, we haven't really had a chance to touch too much on the Everton story and all that sort of stuff yet. But, I mean, that is just a, a gut punch to them. And, again, you look up at, at people who are the other teams that we're competing against for those European spots, which I would put competing in very light terms because we haven't really done that well. West Ham, four points ahead of us. Brighton, six points ahead of us. Newcastle, seven. Manchester United, club in crisis, is a full eight points ahead of us in the table. Can't stop winning in the league. So it, it's it's uh, it's pretty bleak when you look at that sort of stuff. The fact that they came back from the international break firing and we didn't, you know, all, all this stuff is, is uh, just making everything that we do the rest of the year harder. We don't have a great record in the league this year, and the team's going to have to really go on a run to to claw some of these points back. You know, as as we head into the festive period. Well, let's hope it is a December to remember instead of one to forget and absolutely close the book on as quick as we can. There's not much time left in the year for Chelsea to make a change, and we're not even going to talk about those dumb year tables, right? The 2023 Premier League calendar table. No, we're not going to get into that because that's just going to make you feel even worse. But that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back with tons more this week and hopefully more positive and nice things to say about Chelsea because they're doing good stuff. 
uh, off the pitch and preparation for a better on-pitch performance. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thank you.